And now, and now, introducing the one, the only. Now let me introduce to you lively talk with successful people, barely filtered. This is the Jenna Ben Show. All right, all right. Welcome to the Jenna Ben Show. I'm your host Jenna Benemy, and with us today, guys, I have UFC fighter Uriah. Primetime Hall, ranked number 10 in the middleweight division with a current record of 16-9. What's up, Uriah? Welcome. What's up? Thanks for having me. You might be the earliest guest I've ever had, and it's not that early. It's 10 a.m., guys, but I feel like I still have my morning voice. Can you hear it? (laughs) That's a morning voice? Sounds pretty normal. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, All right, so Uriah, how's quarantine life? What have you been up to? Oh, man. Uh, what I haven't I been up to? Well, since I got out of jail, which is, you know, the gym, um, yeah. <laughs> I got back to Vegas to kind of recoup a little bit. Uh, my uh, my coach is out here. Um, my assistant um, slash business manager is out here. So we're just hanging out. You know, they're an older couple and they're mm. like father, father and mother figures to me. So just been hanging out, doing absolutely nothing. Kind of sucks because... I'm out of routine and I like routine. When I have routine, you know, it's easier for me to do things. Yeah. So the few times that I've actually been super fit in my life, I've had a real regimented routine. So I'd go and I'd go to the gym for like two hours. And I know people say you don't need that long in the gym, but I enjoyed it. And I'd go and do a million sets and, you know, um, and then I'd go back in the afternoon or Mm -hmm. evening for cardio. And it was just like, it was like I breathed it, you know, but then as soon as I fall off that routine, like, right. you know, life hits you and then there's other things that come up. You just, yeah, kind of, <laughs> it just, it becomes less of a priority and then you're like, ah, I can wait. And then you end up gaining four pounds. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you, especially what last week I was 186. Now I'm 212, no, 210 or something. What? But yeah. <laughs> Uh, is, you know, most of his water weight, but like, you know, with the salt, the intake and um, I can tell when I'm getting big because my cheeks get big. I hate that. Oh, my um, God. Me, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't like when my cheeks get big. My uh, my business manager, she 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 makes fun of me like, ah, you're losing your modeling look because when we cut weight, <laughs> you know, we all look like models and stuff. But yes, all chiseled. Get some I like sushi, it. And boom. So, okay, so this quarantine's affecting you in a way that most others haven't had to deal with because you trained your butt off to fight mm-hmm. Ronaldo Jacare Souza in UFC mm-hmm. 1249. Yeah. And then he, along with two of his cornermen, tested positive for the coronavirus. And this is like, this has made the most news in the UFC recently. I know. Like, everybody. Tell us about that. Jesus, it, it couldn't have been anybody else. I mean, I <laughs> good God, I, I literally bled for this i you know put myself in isolation locked myself in a gym quarantine stressful nights uh deep elm dallas is not you know too much of the best but man we had to do ninja training you know lights are off looking around for cops because you know they're trying to tell you to shut everything (laughs) down it was crazy and then of course getting a blow up bed going upstairs and sleeping there and have to look outside the window check on my car it was like a movie you know, I oh feel like God. it was like Rocky eight, but <laughs> it was, it was good. It was a good experience. Okay. But you handled it like a champ though. I mean, you sent him the following tweet. You said, brother, I know it sucks. I'm sorry. You have to go through this. I am beyond devastated for the missed opportunity. I wish you nothing but recovery for you and your family. 
So that was big of you because, you know, there are some fighters that would have been like, you motherfucker, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I've seen family. that. I've seen that. I've seen a couple. Who was it the other day? I mean, Marvin is my buddy. You know, he's, he's we're cool and all. And even his opponent, too. We're cool. It's crazy. I got to stop fighting my friends. Anyways, <laughs> I saw him and, you know, he he was a little upset. And I get it. You know, you put so much out there and you, you want you want that win purse that that bonus and you know you sacrifice so much you get in that mindset and something happens and i see he was a little bit upset online someone posted it but you know what uh, shit happens and it's it's all about your reaction it's kind of like what's happening right now with the coronavirus it's like well how do you react what can you control you know and what can i whatever i can control that's what i focus on if i can't control certain things why waste that energy it's like it does absolutely nothing and I think the older you get, you just kind of uh, you focus on, you know, the, the important things such as not giving away energy, because the one thing you can never get back is time. And I've, I've realized that mm-hmm. time that you've invested, whether it's in someone or something, you can never get that back. And some people look at themselves, be like, oh, I wasted time. You waste time if you didn't pay attention, if you didn't pay attention to gain something from mm-hmm. it. And yeah, then you wasted that time. But you'll never get it back. So it's how you use it and who you give it to. Very interesting perspective. The thing is though, I don't necessarily agree that wisdom comes with time because I think there are people who just stay in their habits, right? Change is hard and scary. It is. And it's a choice. You know, every, everybody has a choice and you see some people who, you know, came from the hood and, or, you know, they're stuck in the hood or whatever. It's a choice. And, we have the opportunity to make that choice. I've had that opportunity to say, I don't want to be where I am. And everyone has their own story. You know, I'm a late bloomer. I'll, I've been blooming differently lately. And some people bloom a little earlier. You were now I'm like, you know what? I need to go after that strap. You know what? This is more priority. You know what? Let's go after legacy. And it took me a while to figure out and these things because on my side, you know, time played a part where, I've gained so much. I went through a bunch of gyms where I didn't uh, felt like a family orientated place. And, you know, now I feel like I have a home. And the other day I'm like, man, I wish I had this earlier. But my coach is like, well, you can say that. But at the same time, you wouldn't have matured into the man you are today. So it's a mm-hmm. perspective of how you look at it. And everyone has their own story. It's, it's how you write it out. Well said, my friend. Well said. So, okay, I love this. I can already tell what kind of show this is going to be. Well, A, we got to speak prior, and you're hilarious. I mean, you've had me laughing in just the few changes we've had. Guys, if you if you haven't seen it already, you're going to have to, by the time this airs, you know, go onto my Instagram, and you're going to see this guy's promo. Oh I asked God. him to shoot a quick promo, just being like, hey, check out my interview on the Jen and Ben show. And he he sends one, like, full accent. Just And I, I have to say, as I was preparing for this interview, I go onto your Instagram page, and I completely, I got lost in it. Like, I probably spent, like, a good 20, 25 minutes just going through your posts and be like, oh, that's funny. And I started to like stuff, and I was like, wait, no, chill, chill. <laughs> Don't be that girl. <laughs> Don't be suddenly like you wake up to 22 oh, notifications from the Jenna Ben show. <laughs> okay. I think she's trying to tell you something, bro. But, uh... Yeah. Okay. So here on the Jenna Ben show, we get into my guest professional stories, mm-hmm. you know, how you got to be prime time oh, and man. all that comes with it. Yeah. And so 
this also is going to allow, you know, us listeners, spectators to get to know the man behind the fighter. So I want to go way, way back. You are originally from Jamaica and then you moved to Queens, New York. York, So, okay. Your accent though. Uh Those are two solid accents. What was it like? I mean, when I got here, Jesus, first of all, uh, (laughs) kids are assholes, man. Like they're just straight up assholes. (laughs) Where I'm from, you're not allowed to talk back to teachers. And America just kind of introduced me to a lot of things. America introduced me to racism. America introduced me to talking back to teachers, talking back to elders, talking back to your parents. My mom was like, all right, it takes around eight minutes for the cops to get here. I only need three. But (laughs) in Jamaica, we weren't brought up like that, you know, and I got my ass whooped from my teachers, from my, from my dad, my dad whooped my ass wow. so much. I suffer from this psychological thing called respect for others. So <laughs> I don't get how certain kids would have that. So when I came here, it was just thrown in my face. Of course, New York city of all places, which is like, you know, one mm, of the attitude, attitude But later on, I realized it's realismville because you know, you're real and you're more direct and people don't understand that. They're like, wow, you're a dick, bro. I'm like, I- I'm just honest, mm. man. And of course, California is the total opposite. Like, chill, bro. Let's have some weed, bro. Let's, you know. But when I was coming up as a kid, I um, didn't understand uh, the jungle, as I called it, because New York to me was just a jungle. And you know, my my brother was here, my mom and my sisters, and uh, my mom, you know, was a single mom, and you know, it was we we lived in the basement and. You know, to me, America was like America. Like, I remember being as a kid before I came to America, seeing white people for the first time and be like, oh, my God, white people. And I walked up to this white dude. It was like a church event. And I kind of I did one of those things where I kind of touch him to see if he's real. And he was like, you OK? I'm like, yeah, I just want to see if you're real. But <laughs> come to America, you know, see a lot of white folks and stuff. It's just a different culture when you're not used to something. Of course, yeah. I got bullied because I was different goes back to yeah so but i want to know like what kind of kid were you before before you came out to the u.s to queens were you like a a shy kid a quiet kid were you an asshole i was the coolest kid on the block i (laughs) i was so dope like i was dope that's how dope i was (laughs) but i think (laughs) not knowing what bullying is you know like when someone picked on me for how i dressed i'm looking i'm like wait what Cause in Jamaica, you're like this is flat. Yeah, yeah, we don't care in Jamaica. We, I would be bare feet in Jamaica wearing jeans and button-up shirt. <laughs> you know, it was like it was a custom. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, it was like, wait, you can't dress like that. Wait, you can't talk like that. I'm like, wait, what? So all these things mm-hmm. kind of shape and play a part. And you know, not understanding it, I would retaliate by fighting because I, I didn't even know how to fight. But that was my retaliation, right. and I got into so many fights in school. I remember my principal was saying, you know, you have to stop this. My mom came down. She was crying. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to handle these kids. They're assholes. They mean to me. I can't just take it. So it was natural Mm -hmm. for me to stand up for myself without even realizing that I was doing that. And was mom advising you to stand up for yourself in that way? Like, is that just the custom in Jamaica? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, it was not something she focused on too much. I think. Once I got to high school, it got worse. And, you know, I didn't tell my mom for a while. I mean, I even almost committed suicide at one point. Wow. Uh, maybe I think three attempts I, I tried. But my mom always told me, you know, if you kill yourself, you go to hell. But if you die regularly, you go to heaven. I'm like, ah, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> so 
I didn't want to go through it. <laughs> but, oh my god! So the bullying was oh, real was for bad. you. You tried three so times. Bad. Not only that, um, I almost I got the courage. To, well, I don't want to say courage, but uh, I remember getting beat up on a bus. Like this bully came on the bus, and he was like, "You're you're ugly, right?" And you know they tell you when a bully's bullying you, you look the other way. So I looked the other way. I was like, ignore the bully, which I don't think is the right thing to do. And if I ever have a kid, I'm going to tell that kid, fuck that motherfucker up. You're going to get suspended and we're going to go for ice cream. It's that simple. But Mm. I got beat up so bad that another bully had to jump in and be like, hey, man, that's enough. And I remember getting off the bus. I was bleeding and I I walked for the rest of the uh, remaining, which was like maybe six miles home. I didn't want to be on the bus. So I walked home. And as I was walking home, these were the thoughts I was having in my mind. I was like, I'm going to kill everybody. I was saying to myself, I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to kill everybody that made fun of me. I'm thinking this. So when I see all these mm-hmm. Columbine episodes, I'm like, I get it because I was there. And the, the crazy part was I remember in my neighborhood asking for a gun. I was like, do you know where I can get a gun? I was asking people for wow. a gun. And this, How old I you? was like uh, 15, maybe. 15. Wow. Okay. And I remember this guy said, hey, man, you can't be asking for a gun around you. You crazy or something, bro? And this was on the weekend. The whole weekend, I was looking for a gun. I was so angry. And I couldn't mm. find a gun. So I was like, shit, now I got to go back to school on Monday to, you know, uh, see all these guys or whatever. And to face, to face them, them. And, and you're terrified. terrified. And I went back to school, and you know, I toughed it out. And I think I had a year left at junior high, and got out of there, and went to high school. And you know, it, it was still happening. But then I started to get a little cooler. You know, I was a cool kid that was hanging out with the bullies and the nerds. Like I was hanging out with everybody. My personality would mesh because I remember one time mm. I I wanted to smoke, and my buddy was like, "Nah, dude, you don't want to do this, man." You you know, focus on school. Like he was like, nah, you shouldn't be smoking. Hmm. And, you know, a couple of my nerd friends got picked on. And I, again, I didn't know what I was doing, but I stood up. It was like natural instinct for me to stand up. And uh, when the bullying got really bad, I was starting to cut classes. And what got me into martial arts was when I cut, they call your home. I didn't know they call your home. So my mom one morning when I was getting ready, it was like, hey, you know, why are you cutting class, blah, blah, blah. My older brother was there and they were yelling at me about how important school is. And I broke down. I started to cry. I'm like, I don't want to go to school. I'm getting picked on. I freaking hate school. They're bullying me. I, I don't want to go back. I hate it. I'm getting picked on every day. And then uh, my mom, uh, you know, she sat me down a little bit. She was like, all right, I didn't know. Let's 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 do something about it. But get this, prior to that, I was teaching mm. myself how to fight through a video game called Tekken because I didn't know how to fight. Oh, Tekken, it. okay, through a video game, so, that's crazy. I don't know if you know what VHS, obviously you know what a VHS is. But <laughs> By the way, time out, you are um, like a week younger than me. I looked oh, up your word? birthday. What's your birthday? Yeah, so <laughs> July get 25th. Out of here. Yeah, you're the yep. 31st, right? Leo's for life. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Leo's for life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Um, so, yeah, she sat me down. She said, you know what? Let's do something about it. 
prior to that, I would teach myself how to fight. I would record myself through the VHS, move the furniture, practice the moves. So, you know, when my mom finally put me in martial arts, because back then I didn't want to tell I was getting bullied too bad. And I was like, can I do martial arts? She couldn't afford it. So once I mm. started martial arts, I was excelling so fast. And they were like, how the hell do you know all these cool shit? Like, where, did you train before another gym? And I was yeah. embarrassed to say, I'm like, no, I've never trained before. You know, I was embarrassed to say I learned from a video game. Not knowing that right now, this is the mm. coolest shit ever. But I got my black belt in three <laughs> years. Uh, I just became really yeah. good. And there came a point where I was going to quit martial arts because I was like, ah, I loved it so much that I dropped out of school. I hated school. So I was like, school's not for me. I dropped out. Classes are up anyway. I'm going to go back to school. He's like, what do you want to do? I was like, I don't know. Probably go in some kind of business or something. And he looked at me. He's like, yeah, man, that's totally fine. But let me tell you right now, man, you have a gift. And you can walk away from this gift right now. And I'm telling you, you don't want to sit at a mm. desk being bored out of your fucking mind. Or you can take what God's given you and fucking run with it. And I remember sitting there like... Like, I can do this? He's like, yes. And I'm like, yeah, but Sensei, I don't want to fight. He's like, trust me. You need to kind of, you need to face the things you think you can't do. And mm. he put me in that so uncomfortable nice. spot where I had to. Because, you know, I didn't want to fight. I just wanted to train. I never wanted to fight. I just wanted to train. So he kept mm. pushing me into it. Like, I want you to do it. And what, 20 years later, I'm hurting people for a living. <laughs> yeah. So somewhere in between that 20 year <laughs> period, you decided to commit to becoming a career professional yeah. fighter. So, so was it that moment? And then what were the next steps? Just kind of like bullet points before you got um, to Bellator. Oh yeah. So I was fighting like underground stuff, but I was an instructor at the same time. Uh, so I was teaching three and mm. four year olds. I would have like 60 three and four year olds and people like they don't have attention span i'm like oh yeah watch this because i love kids and i love to uh oh, they're, the, they're so adorable yeah so i was doing that i was an assistant first like helping my uh fellow instructor on the mat then you know my sensei again he was like you know you can make a career out of this too and i'm like ah, i don't know and again he pushed me to do something that i was afraid of and i was afraid of teaching like public speech you know and i did it started to get good at it then i started to teach adults next you know i was running my own classes i became very popular at it and i became a sensei and which is like a high level for an instructor and uh yeah during these times i was fighting which was hard because i would my day would start at 6 a.m and it would end at two so most of the time i would sleep in the gym so i would sleep in the gym yeah because it wouldn't make sense to like ride back yeah. for four and hours I did this for like six, seven years, man. It, it was. That's insanity. Yeah. You couldn't just figure out how to make it work in Manhattan or find a place well, closer to that, Queens. I got transferred later on. But even before that, I was uh, I was in Queens working there. And I think I got promoted. And um, they moved me to uh, Manhattan, which was like the elite school. Because I guess I was doing good. And yeah it just mm. i mean it was demanding my job was there was no sick days i'm talking like i would have surgery one time and i would be in class doing one-handed push-up teaching class it was some slavery shit i would oh never work with them they're, they're great businessmen but they're fucking assholes man but yeah yeah um i have to introduce you to kita Miguet. if you don't know her already she owns a gym called team bully Kito, buster how are you and 
she um it's she's in studio city so when you come out to la i'm gonna make sure you guys meet because i think it would be cool for you to go and potentially teach a class because she teaches these little kids real jujitsu and like moves you know for self-defense and you know she got bullied as a kid i mean she was put in the hospital real bad because these girls there was like eight or nine girls that jumped her and you know it was a whole situation but that kind of like created her life's purpose. And a lot of the people, a lot of the fighters that I interview were bullied, like Boss Rutten shared his whole experience as well. So it's pretty cool to see you guys turning your lives around and, and inspiring others, which is why I love doing this show. Because even if it's not bullied kids, it's adults who are kind of like finding bits and pieces that they can relate to and hopefully be inspired Absolutely. by. Yeah. So on that note, I want to know... Okay. So then, you know, you go through all of this, you know, you're a sensei, you're training, and then you end up with Bellator. Um, what was the experience like at Bellator versus the UFC? Like, um, how are they different? Well, I did some underground stuff, not underground. <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, it's called ring of combat. I did that first. I became the champion. Mm-hmm. And the first person to beat me because I was destroying everyone was Chris Weidman. And uh, mm. I think I did Bellator before that. I think, I think. Yeah, yeah, I did. So I did Ring of Combat, my first fight, and then my second fight was Bellator. And the guy I fought, his record was 40-something and 13. And I'm like, my record is 2-0. and oh. I mean, the dude was beyond veteran. He's a Mexican, first of all, which Mexicans got this fucking thing where you just don't hit him in the head. Just fucking hit him in the body, hit him in the toe. I mean, he was just so tough, and it was a war. I mean, I was bloodied up. I didn't quit, and uh, they, you know, counted as a TKO. But he came at me, and I went back at him too. Because you know, when you're young, you have no fear. But Bellator, you know, it was it was a different. It was a new for me. I didn't understand the business aspect of things. You know, I showed up, I made weight, and I performed. But you know, as I get older in my career, you know, you're more prioritizing, like. I didn't care who I fought. When I got to UFC, I'm like, it doesn't matter. And what a lot of people don't know is a lot of the fights, maybe all of them, a lot of the fights that I've lost in UFC, I did not want to do. I did not because I didn't feel it. I'm like, I don't feel it. I don't want to do it. Interesting. What makes you feel it? What makes you you want to do it? I'm the type of guy where I have to be motivated. If I'm not, if I get bored easily because I'm so creative, and if, if my creativity is not yes. being fed, then I just get bored. Like if we're grappling and we're doing these dumb, boring ass moves, I'm like, I fall asleep. You know, if I see something cool or challenging to me, you know, then I'm like, all right, now there's a challenge. I love challenges if something is challenging to me. So when I call out guys like Yoel Romero, I'm like, that's a guy to beat. You know, I want Izzy because I want, I think Izzy's a great fight to bring the best out of me. But with the matchmaking back mm-hmm. in the day with Joe Silva, you know, they were giving me like fights I didn't want. Like I didn't want to fight Brunson. I didn't want to fight uh, uh, who else did I lost to? Um, I lost a bunch of people. Who did I lose to? Brunson, Whitaker. I fought Whitaker <laughs> for that year, and my manager at the time, douchebag, was like, you know, me and Bisping had the same manager. So Bisping, I think, you know, he had his period, and he was like, oh, I can't fight. And then they called me, and I'm like, I just fought four times. I'm, I'm like, physically, emotionally tired. And they pushed me to do it. And this was like, I fought like four weeks ago before this fight. And I'm like, I'm tired. So I flew to Australia, got a big yeah. staph infection on my toe. 
from training and you know i didn't i didn't even want to be there i'm like fuck it let me just do it as i'm walking to the arena you know and prior to that you know i called dane i'm like dane i'm here but i got a stab infection and we found a doctor and i got antibiotics i'd never been on antibiotics before so it makes you feel weird yeah i fought whitaker i was just delayed like i would block but i would block after i got hit i was mm. so delayed didn't want to fight Brunson. They threw it at me. I was like, no, I don't want to fight him. It doesn't make sense. Let me give it this guy. They kept pushing it. I'm like, fine, whatever. Musasi the second time. I fought Musasi the second time within a three-week span. I'm like, it makes no sense. I knocked him out. Why am I fighting him again? Because someone got hurt. So when I was younger, I was just taking fights because, you know, I didn't really have a say. It was like, do it or else. And I'm like, fuck. But I didn't right. want to do any of those fights that I lost because I wasn't mentally there. And I knew the type of preparation. But, you know, now um, being at Fortis and being with these guys, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're more prioritized and strategizing properly to take the fights that make sense. Yeah, yeah. So you have that wisdom. So you learned and you're like, listen, I know myself. And yeah. I know my limitations. Yeah. And I have to be inspired. So what's your relationship like with Dana? Oh, we're cool. Dana you know, <laughs> Dana's like... Uh, Dana, how do I say it? He's a, first of all, he's a businessman. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's like the dad. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like a dad, you know? He, yeah. he, he yells at me when I do bad and he, you know, he praises me when I do good. You know, I remember one time he said to me, I wish I, w- I wish I, I wish I had a fucking video game control so I can plug into your ass to do all these moves I know you can do. So I know he believes in this <laughs> stuff and, you know, he wants me to get out there and just let it go. But, you know, I, I don't have anything bad against him. He helped me out one time um, when I uh, after I knocked out Musasi, and you know I got a fifty thousand dollar check, and I was just moving to California. You need a fucking car in California, you know. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, I get to buy a car yes. and stuff. And my manager Adi was just being a dick. Wanted all these percentages. He wanted a percentage of my bonus. I'm like, I don't remember going in there and you telling me to throw a fucking spinning back kick. Like, why am I paying you? out of a bonus so i mm. didn't know what to really do and i called him just for advice and he was like he flew me out we sat down it was him and lorenzo at the time and he was like man fuck that dude don't let him take your money blah blah blah, blah. here's the keys to your car here's your check and i'm like keys to my car what do you, what freaking walked outside it was a brand Aww. new off the lot 2015 dodge challenger at the time and i'm like wait this is mine and, you know, he, he really helped me. I can never forget that, you know? So that is so freaking sweet. I've only had a wonderful experiences with Dana. Yeah, he's a business He's, just, he's just always he's nice. He's nice. You know? He, he doesn't forget to call you either, which is weird. I'm like, you got a shitload of shit to do, and you still remember? He's a cool dude. Okay, so what what fighters uh, are you closest to? You mean in my weight class? Or- yeah, start with your weight class, but then just in, um, in UFC altogether. Jeff Neal, you know, um, Ryan Spann. Oh, yeah, oh I didn't teammates. know you were close. Me Jeff Neal, I love teammates, Jeff. Uh, me and Ryan Spann, um, you know, the crew, Macy. Uh, but as far as dudes, uh, my last opponent, uh, uh, Shoeface, we were cool. I mean, I remember us hugging each <laughs> other in the hallway before we fight, and our coach was looking. I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Why are you hugging each other for like five minutes? And, you know, because we didn't want to really fight each other. Uh, <laughs> listen, man, I respect anyone you know? to step inside the octagon. I, I'm not, I'm not going to fear you because you're a man. You bleed just like me. But who, it's whoever goes out there and mm. utilizes their, their attributes, you know, opposes their will. 
But at the end of the day, you're a man just like me. And we're lions in a room filled with lions all chasing the same thing. I mean, that's the reason, that's why we're locked in octagon. Not not everybody could do this shit. So when I hear like people talking that negative shit, I'm like, motherfucker, you couldn't last a, a second for what I do, you know? It's so funny when I even like sometimes I'll watch the fights if I'm not covering them. I'll watch them at my friend's bar in West Hollywood and I'll kind of read the room because, you know, it's like I, I I mean, I feel blessed to be in this position where I actually get to be there and like meet the fighters and chat with them and get to know them really. And then so to see them fight, it's almost like it's a different perspective, you know. And so when I'm in that in that bar, just observing to the advice. Thanks, thanks Bill from Albuquerque. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Lucy from Utah. What the fuck, man? MMA fans to me are probably one of the worst. I mean, I know soccer fans are up there, but Jesus Christ, man. It's like you're never good enough. It's like, and then at one point in my career, I felt like I was doing it for them. I'm like, wait a minute. What the fuck am I doing? I'm in this for me. You know, someone's opinion of you should never become <laughs> your reality. And I fall victim a lot of times to people talking these negative stuff. And it gets to me because I'm sensitive because I'm like, wait a minute. I'm out here putting my oh, life yeah. on the line to, to, to get to a place I've never been. It's scary as fuck, but I'm still contributing. And you have the audacity to tell me I'm not good. Like, who are you? Have you been with me this whole journey to give me that, you know, advice, so to say? Like, come on, dude. Like, who are you? I mean, I've gotten, I've, 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 shit, UFC have saved fans for me because one guy said some shit about my mom, and I'm like, you don't disrespect my mom, dude. I would gladly Uh-oh. leave my career for my mom. You talk, if you really want to see me kill you, talk, just say some shit about my mom, see what happens. <laughs> and they had to save this guy because he said some shit, and it was him and another dude. I'm like, listen up, bro. Right now, because it's two of you. So I'm going to give you five minutes to grab two more people because I'm going to fuck you up so bad, you're going to need more people. And, you know, luckily some UFC dude saw me and he was like, what are you doing, bro? And I'm like, oh, I'm just having a nice casual conversation. And uh, they saved him because I was ready to kill him. Oh, yeah. This so this was, was in person. I told Where him, was like, meet me here in Vegas at the MGM. I'll be downstairs in the lobby at three o'clock. When you're up there, there's so much oh. pressure for you fighters. You know, you are not just performing for yourself, your family, your friends, your team. You're performing for the world, right? This this isn't a backyard scrap. And it's like you have to be so mentally tough and on point and unshaken to get out there and deal. So I want to hear from you. Describe the differences between winning a fight. And all that goes on versus losing a fight. Oh, well, and first all that of all, just with. the walk from the starting point to the arena is the most scariest thing ever. And I'm sure a lot of fighters can test to this. I've literally mm. done that walk almost yeah. every time saying, what the fuck am I doing here? I could have had a fucking desk job. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Hopefully he collapsed in the ring. Even the drive <laughs> from the hotel, I'm like, I hope the bus crash. I hope we get a flat tire. I don't want to, it, it's the craziest emotion. I spoke to Cowboy about this because, you know, he's kind of the same way too. It's scary. It's so mm-hmm. fucking scary to step in there mm-hmm. and looking at someone saying, I'm going to potentially try to kill you and you're going to try to potentially kill me. It's like a modern day gladiating theme. So that walk alone scares yep. me. As far as winning, you're like, oh shit, thank God it's over. 
But that's not the good thing about it. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be in that moment. You've trained so much to utilize all your attributes and then, you know, you, you, you zone out. And whether you don't cut the weight right, you know, the water doesn't go to your brain properly, you get knocked out quick. You're like, how do you get knocked out so quick? I don't know, motherfucker. I walked around for 24 hours without water in me. What do you think? So, <laughs> you know, as far as that and losing, of course, you know, you, you, you want to quit. Almost all the time I've lost, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. And I've gotten called from Chael Sonnen. I've gotten called from, you know, my coaches saying, listen, it's a part of the journey. It happens. And I've struggled with this for a long time. Mm. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, he's not the same sure. from the Adam Sellick kick. I've never been the same since I first stepped foot in the octagon. You know, it's it's scary because mm. I know what I can do to someone. And I, I a part of me does not want to do that. But yet I'm blessed with all these fucking tools where I'm like, God, why did you give me all these tools if I'm, I don't know, I'm afraid to use them. So I've struggled with that, you know, and it was mm. a thing where people are like, well, just, you know, get in there, get mean. And then when you come out, be normal. I'm like, oh, OK, let me know when that pill comes out so I can take it. So it, it's a struggle for me. Some <laughs> people have that. Fuck you. I'm going to kill you. I don't have that. I'm, I have the I'm going to beat you up dynamically and fashionably. And, yeah, let's go grab a beer afterward. I have that mentality. I don't know how to go out there and be like, fuck you. Fuck your mom. Fuck your life. Although if I'm fighting Darren Till, I'll gladly beat his ass. But other than that, you know, I don't have it. I've been with that for a long time. And I think where I'm at right now, and the, the title I can give my chapter in this moment is urgency. And what that means for me is I'm getting older. Mm. I have to perform differently. And legacy, what do I want to leave behind? You know, everyone knows me for that kick that was heard around the world. And I know I'm better than that. I know my video game character because that's why I've learned how to fight. Mm. So how do I get out there, utilize all these things, and become the champion and walk away knowing that I did it? That's what I'm focused on right now. Okay. So I feel like you're still kind of that kid who got bullied in the way you describe how you fight. Do you know what I mean? You're not fighting because you have that hunger and that thirst to take someone down. You don't wake up and say, I (laughs) want to fuck somebody up today. You wake up and say, okay, you talked shit, motherfucker. Now it's my job to take you down. But I didn't want to, but now I gotta. I mean, is that kind of, would you say that's how it is? If you watch the cartoon Dragon Ball Z, I'm like that character, Goku. I I love to compete. I, I love it, but I wouldn't hurt a fly if I have to. But I love challenges. I love going up against guys that are better mm-hmm. than me. I spar Francis. My coaches are like, what the fuck are you sparring Francis for? I'm like, I love it. He's big. I get to see where I know how well I match up. That's my mentality. But if I don't have to kill you, I, I, you know, there's no reason for me to. As far as the bullying, at one point I was like, maybe that little Uriah I'm still protecting. Maybe that little Uriah I haven't spoken to to be like, hey, man, mm-hmm. it's okay. And I had to kind of go farther back to be like, is that the problem? Is it because I went through that? And it scars you, you know, it becomes an emotional scars because a lot of people are like, well, you know, kids are going to be kids and it's just a phase. No, it's not a fucking phase. If someone bullies you for a certain period of time, it stays with you because in that young state of mind, you're developing. And guess what? It, It partially develops you into something. And it's not something to just get over with. It affects you of your output. So someone like me that's been bullied, I take refugee in martial arts because it makes me sane. It makes me able to feel that confidence. And I've seen the people who bullied me and I'm like, hey man, thank you. Thank you so much. You played a part because now I'm a bad motherfucker and I will fuck you up. 
it would be great if you didn't have, I mean, if you, if you could just do it because you wanted to, but not because someone kind right. of molded your path for you, you know, but you are a badass motherfucker and you're, you have a, a very well-known name. And in fact, you know, I recognized Arnold. your name. So Arnold Chan was my very no first way. MMA guest on the show. I mean, prior to him, I had, yeah, I had Gabriel Rosado on, but he's a boxer. So, and I normally, I mostly do MMA. So Arnold came on cause I met him. I don't know, probably like five years ago now, um, maybe three or four, at, uh, at a St. Paddy's Day Festival in West Hollywood. He was with Mike Swick, and like all of us ended up going to eat after, and it was just a great day. You know, Russell oh, Peters, know Russell. Was there. We, we had an amazing time. Yes, he was dope, and we were like taking shots all day, and JJ Soria was there. Uh-huh. We had a blast, and so we stayed in touch, and he came on the show, and um, he talked about you during his interview and, you know, he talked about you and Tyron Woodley and how he trained you guys. And, um, and he said two things that I still remember without even going back to that interview. One that you're a really hardworking guy <laughs> and two that you're the nicest person. And I'm like, all right. And then I don't know, I was, I think I was on Instagram or something. And then I came across your name or I don't know what it was, but I was like, I got to get this guy on the uh-huh. show. Why haven't I gotten him on the show yet? <laughs> and so I reached out to you and you're like, for sure. And we kind of became instant besties <laughs> yeah. the second we got no, on the phone. Too. You're cool. <laughs> I'm, man, I'm, I'm real at the end of the day. If I'm around people, I love them to be themselves. And a lot of people feel like they can be themselves. It, I want you to be honest. Like I'm honest with myself first mm. before I can be honest with someone else. I think that's important. Mm. When you look in the mirror, you have to be able to be honest with yourself because that's the one person you can never lie to. And when you learn to build that honesty and that trust with yourself, you know, that trust can manifest into that love that people speak of. Like, I love myself. I'm like, I don't think you know what that means. It comes from trust and understanding yourself more to start to love yourself. And when you have that, then... Other people see that. And guess what? They're going to be attracted to it because the right people are going to start to be attracted to it. But if you start feeding the wrong stuff, take women, for example, I'm I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. But if you walk around the club here and you're wearing all these tights (laughs) and all that stuff, instantly as a man, I'm going to be like, yeah, you know, I want to take her home and smash. I'm not looking at, oh, my God, look at a respectable woman out there. She carries herself well, you know, so. It's what you portray <laughs> so someone could attract to that. And, of course, it's not always right because I've seen women who dress like that and I've talked to them. I'm like, oh, my God, you have a beautiful mind. But, again, something is lacking where they feel mm. like they have to portray that side to be noticed. You know what I'm saying? I think you don't need someone to complete you. I think you need someone to accept you completely. And a lot of people don't understand that. They do, they, oh, I want yeah. someone to complete me. no. You want someone to accept your flaws, your weakness, the bad stuff, the good stuff, because they're going to be around you. Oh, my God. You're right. i got to get you on <laughs> one of my dating segments. Will you do it? I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, but w- about once a month, I have um, a few panelists come on. And now because of uh, social distancing, oh, yeah, I've down. just been doing like one guy, one girl. I'm down for but that. basically just, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't. I'm you totally are so opinionated. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> And so is it your preference to date within your it, industry it or outside it, of it? You know what? Fans, no fans. Um, I, I, in my opinion, um, a lot of fighters are, are with other fighters and, you know, they understand them. Uh, they get them, um, you know, with the weight cut, the, the, the mindset, the mood change or whatever. Um, I, I prefer like a lady. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, she doesn't have to be a fighter. 
you know, I like a lady who can dress up too, because you know, I don't want you to be wearing sweats all the fucking time. I'm like, put some spandex on so I can look at you and shit. You know, <laughs> so I, I like I like a lady to be a yeah. lady, but at the same time, it's hard too because I've dated outside of it and they didn't understand that. Hey, it's fight week and I need to be able to kill a motherfucker and I can't talk to you every fucking night. You know, mm. so I think it goes back to yeah, um, just being who you are so you can attract that right person and just be honest with that person too hey i'm at the point in my life where i just want to fuck you you down sure okay let's do it hey i'm not emotional available okay uh i'm not either <laughs> all right let's fuck around hey i'm, I'm emotional available where are you at uh let's see what happens just be fucking honest like just be honest that's it i want to quote you oh, from two years ago okay you ready for this <laughs> you said Follow your heart your wherever brain. it may lead you, but <laughs> bring your brain because you'll do some stupid shit. Yes, follow your heart, <laughs> but bring your brain. Because your heart is always going to be like, I love him, but your brain's going to be like, bitch, he's been fucking you up. Like, What are you doing? So it's like going down a dark alley. Mm. You know, I got to get to the other side, but there might be some scary motherfuckers down there. You know, just follow your heart of what you really want to do, but bring your brain so you can think. But the problem is some people bring their brain instead of their heart and they overthink mm-hmm. shit. Right, right. It's it's a constant balance. It's one of the few things. Well, I guess I shouldn't say yeah. few things, but it is one of the things because we cannot control. I think a lot of people. Yeah, and that's heart. tough for a lot of people. So I was just going to say when you're accomplished, you, be, you become accustomed right. to having things within your control. And then it becomes frustrating when you yeah. can't control well, everything. Now, everyone right? is just listening to replying. No one is listening to understand. We might not agree on the same things, but I got to mm. at least get your part and then you got to get mine. It's like the Colin Kaepernick situation. I forgot the gentleman. I met him a couple of times who was, you know, a veteran and stuff. And he saw Colin taking a knee and he was like, you know what? Let me listen to this dude to see what the fuck he's actually talking about. And they actually set up a time. He sat down. He's like, all right, here's why I think the whole knee thing is messed up, blah, blah, blah. And Colin's like, here's why I'm doing it. And they both had this mutual conversation to, to agree to disagree. And, you know, there was no violence and stuff. But we live in an age where, no, I'm right. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. No one is listening to understand. And sometimes, guess what? It's okay to be wrong. It's okay. Do you know what I think is a helpful tool? when you're communicating with someone, if you repeat back to them what it is you think they're saying Mm. to you before you reply. So, you know, you explain to me, Jenna, I didn't like it when you did X, Y, and Z. Okay. What I'm hearing you say is that you were bothered by me doing blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, sometimes you're going to hear, no, that's not what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying, you know what I mean? So it's like, you could just argue endlessly if yep. you don't fully understand yep. what the You're issue right. is, right? But I, my coach told me, son, don't argue with these females. You never win. Just just keep your hands up. Move side to side because <laughs> they're going to be throwing punches and you just got to hands up, move your feet, duck and weave. You know, so. All right. I want to ask you now, what's it like being a well-known fighter? What are the pros and the cons? Because, you know, we talked prior and you're like, listen, I'm a no bullshit guy. And, you know, you kind of suggested that sometimes it's annoying. You know, sometimes you're in the middle of just being you oh and God. you have to stop and kind of be the guy that I people stories, expect Jesus you Christ. to be. Right. You what? have to perform. Maybe four years ago, maybe. I'm in San Diego <laughs> dancing I was with, you know, my ex at the time. And, you know, I'm at this club or whatever. And we're just having a good time. And I was a little bit 
you know, feeling nice. I, I'm a lightweight, man. I'll sniff a wine. I'll just have to smell wine and I'm done. Anyways, this <laughs> dude was dancing among us and stuff like that. And this other pretty girl was there. And I was like, hey, man, you should talk to that girl, bro. She's like dancing up on you, man. He's like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Just, you know, nothing bad is going to happen. Just be, just be real. Just dance with her. So we're all having a good time. We're all chatting and stuff like that. And towards the end of the night, you know, he's like, bro, you're cool, man. How long are you here? I'm like, I'm here for a couple of days. He's like, let's exchange numbers. You know, I'd love to kick it again. I'm like, sure. I put my number in his phone and he looks at me because mm-hmm. I put my name. He was like, wait, wait, you're Uriah Hall? And I'm like, dude, we've been dancing for three fucking hours. And you <laughs> just realized that? So <laughs> I have plenty of stories where I'm talking to people because I don't mind talking. I've talked to people on the airplane. And whether someone else come up and take a picture, and I'm like, they're like, yeah. well, who are you? I'm like, ah, I'm just a regular dude. They're like, well, why do they want a picture? Well, I saved the baby one, so that could have been it, you know? So they they take a picture, and now I have to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, be a celebrity. Because I'm like, I'm a regular dude just like you. I mean, right. the UFC is not just about fighting. You know, like, it's it's entertainment at the end of the day. It's not as fixated on like characters and personas wwe obviously but there is you know i'm kind of observing like even maurice green who was on the show stated that he feels he was selected in part because of his personality and you know they're guiding people right protecting people look at sage look how much they protected that dude giving him all these easy ass fights i'm not even gonna call names but look at the fighters that are they're protecting (laughs) and they're building you're giving them people that are like easy to beat shit like that so they can perform well you know it's, it's a build because at the end of the day it's money so that's where i'm at in mm-hmm. my career where i'm like wait a minute there's no honor and no go out there and sacrifice anymore it's fucking money it's a business it's character which one of these guys have character ristic traits that we can use to get some fucking money whether you're angry all the time whether you're like a big dude that's gonna knock you out but me, I've just been myself. I think they're waiting for me to c- come out and be this, you know, angry motherfucker. But I'm just me, man. I'm I'm nice, but at the same time, I'll be like, "Fuck you! I'm not gonna bow down to what you want." Why? I own you. You don't own me. I've I've been in situations yeah. where I had to take pictures, and it was yeah. almost like expected. I'm like, bro, can I enjoy my fucking dinner? Are you serious right now? And I think certain fans expect you right. to do it. Like, if I'm cutting weight and they come, oh, can I have a picture? I'm like, dude, uh, can I just take it later, man? Oh, just one. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm going out there to perform for you, bitch. Can I get some rest to go out there and perform? And they don't see that. They don't see that. No, because they see it as a missed opportunity, if not. And in, and in an age where everything is like, and guess can what? Really guess what? 90% if it's of those not people, on social media, those you know? <laughs> are just for status. It's like, look where I'm at. Look who I was with. And for the 10%, back yeah. back in 84, I took a picture with the champ. This was the champ. This was the moment we had. But I love the genuine fans because I've met a ton of them that come up to me yeah. and actually have a conversation. I'm like, dude, I don't mind this. But the whole, hey, man, can I take a picture? And then they just walk mm-hmm. off right away. I'm like, what? I feel so used. I feel used like a fucking hooker. Like a <laughs> hooker. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a digital scale. Just oh, you're, like you're weighing in right now. Oh, two oh six point seven. So I'm good. All right, two oh six point seven. Okay, so 
Um, to qualify for middleweight, as you guys know, it's 185 to 199.8. And yeah, so you're I, not I, far I, I off. So you, you stay pretty close to weight then. 195, because, you know, I, I got back pains and it hurts my back if I move it too much. All right. So I'm curious now. You stay pretty close to weight, but what do you think of the whole weight cutting notion? Because I mean, I always talk about this with fighters because here's two guys that are typically within pounds of each other's walk around weight and usually i mean not in your case but usually they cut like 20 to 30 pounds sometimes more through weight loss and then mostly dehydration only to end up within pounds of each other on the day of the fight and the whole thing just drives me bananas because i'm like listen i understand that that's the precedent and then that's that's kind of the norm that's been established and we can't really do a gentleman's agreement to say all right i'm just i'm not gonna lose weight i'm just gonna fight how i normally am there's a right way to do it and then there's the 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 wrong way there's the undisciplined way where you you out of camp you you stuff yourself and then you have an event and then you put your body through that strain fight camp shouldn't be cutting weight fight camp you should always be in fight camp first of all i think bisping said this too because you know you're constantly preparing this is your career you're constantly elevating Mm -hmm. getting better and all that stuff but the weight maybe they can open up more weight classes like there's a 170 and then there's a 185 meanwhile there's a 115 125 135 145 155 how the fuck are you gonna make that big of a jump you're gonna have 170 then 185 and then 205 and then you know maybe like a 195 i used to fight it that way i'm like yeah. god so if we can open up more weight classes then that could do it i know one fc <laughs> they do this um like their middleweight is one eighty five to two hundred. I'm like, what? That's fucking awesome. It goes back you know? to what can I control? So, yeah, I love that. I think you're doing it the right way. I have so much respect for that. But there was one time earlier in your career at Bellator a where quarter. you didn't make no, weight because you were a freaking quarter point, of a pound over five. But I thought you get a pound, so I was I wasn't worried about it. I was like, don't we get a pound? Like one eighty six? I'm still under. But apparently you didn't. So I was like, well, I guess I got to do it. So I went in the steam room for literally five minutes and dropped half a pound. I'm, I, I always make weight. I mean, the only time I've never really made weight was hmm. that really affected me was when I fought Vitor, when I was supposed to fight Vitor. And I ended up having a, an acute kidney failure pretty much because I put my body through the strain because I'm disciplined. Mm, I got shit. to 187, I think. And I was like, I had nothing left. I mean, nothing. And mm-hmm. I was like, I have to make weight. I have to make weight. I'm, it's in my mindset mm-hmm. that I have to do it. Plus, I didn't want to give him no 20%. I'm like, fuck that. So I went back in there, and I got to 185.5. <laughs> so I was like, I made weight. I just didn't make it to the scale. But prior to all of that, I was stressed out for like, you know, a good ending of the camp because my coach Robert Fallis at the time committed suicide like two two weeks before the event so that fucked me up yeah two weeks before he committed suicide so that fucked me up stop it my my best friend who you know I've known for years who was my best friend did some shady shit to me and again this was my best friend who I confided with a lot of stuff so with those two things happening right before the event uh, I was so stressed that I, I couldn't digest food properly. I remember the food that I would intake wouldn't leave my body. So I right. pushed my body through like, I over pushed it than I should have because I'm like, I have to make weight. 
fight week, I was 205. Usually, I'm 199. So I'm like, this is going to be a hard cut. So I'm overstraining my body. And, and of course, people were saying that uh, I was partying. And uh, well, I wasn't following the instructions or some shit. <laughs> because I went to L.A. Right after Robert you know, committed suicide, I was like, I'm going to L.A. to go to the beach. I love the beach. The beach for me is like, you know, it's like it, it keeps me calm. So when I went to L.A., uh, one of my buddies was like, hey, come hang out. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't really want to do anything. But my friend knows me that I'm not going to drink before a fight. If you drink before a fight, you're just fucking stupid. So yeah. that that's just plain stupid. But here's the thing. Though. No, that's I mean, who does Whether that? or not that's you crazy. do or not, it was the place I was at. So it's yeah. going to look like it. You know what I'm saying? So I was at a bar, but it was one of those bars where they have performers. Sure. And I kind of recorded it because it was it was cool. I was these women were doing all these acrobatic shit over the bar. I was like, oh my god, this is cool. So that made me look like I was partying before the fight. And I think uh, Odell Beckham. I mm-hmm. think he was at some kind of place where there was someone who was doing drugs, and then they said he was doing it because he was there. So you know what I'm saying. So with that, and mm, I guess I guilty by association, yeah. Uh, instructions from the PI because they were telling me how to do my diet. I'm like, I've never done it like this. I don't, I don't like this. They were using all these big words. I'm like, dude, I'm an athlete. Do you think I fucking know what you're talking about? Let's make it simple. So mm-hmm. I didn't listen to him because I'm like, I've been doing this for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I know how to cut weight. So that was me not listening to instruction and <clears throat> me partying was taking a video of where I was at. So it made me look like an asshole. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, wow, the media. Yeah. Just, if you meet someone, then you know. The very first tweet on Twitter was, Dana White, it is my dream to be on you in the UFC. That was my very fucking first tweet. <laughs> ah, God knows. Fucking 20. What year oh, was that? For the Ultimate Fighter. So it had to be 2010. Because I remember watching the Anderson Silva fight. That's what really got me motivated. Anderson mm. versus Chael. I was mm. like, holy shit, this guy's awesome. But, um, you know, you, you, can't, you can't sell yourself out because, you know, any one of these venues is going to be like, here's a contract. Mm-hmm. You want to be here, right? Sign your life away. So you owe it to yourself. But you need experience, though. You know what I mean? Like, you got to start somewhere. And if you don't get those fights under your belt, then oh, you know, LFA but or I'm the really UFC, they're not really going to gonna notice you. Wherever you are, and you know what? Make some noise. If you have to make some noise, I think Anthony Smith did it too. He had to make noise to freaking get to where he is. Because sometimes the venue is not going to pay attention to you. Maybe you're a good fighter, but maybe you're boring. Look at Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson was the pound for pound. The dude did everything. But he mm. wasn't popular because he wasn't talking smack. He wasn't doing all this. He just went out there and fucked you up, went home to his family. So we need it. They need mm-hmm. entertainment. So yeah, make some noise. But if you're going to make some noise, be true to that. Be true to that person. If you're going to go out there and say, I'm going to fuck all you guys up, make sure you mean it. Don't say it and then go behind camera like, hey, guys, how you doing? This is Todd Chuckles. No, motherfucker. <laughs> that's who you are. Be that person. If you're an asshole, guess what? <laughs> be an asshole. If you're a good guy, be a good guy, but put some sauce on it. You know what I'm saying? But make- You know what's so interesting? Wait, who? Raphael Asensau is like, his okay. show is, is uh, he was on last week. Raphael Asensau. Mm-hmm. He's uh, uh, oh, never fight the yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been fighting for a long time. Okay. Yeah. And he, you know, he 
kind of low profile. Like he's not, he's doing the opposite of what you're saying. Like he doesn't really, and I asked him about it. I'm like, you don't shit talk. You don't really like try yeah, and like, rile people up uh, to get the attention. He's just like, no, I never felt like, yeah. He's like, I never felt like I really needed to. I'm like, would you ever? Yeah, he's like, you yeah. know, I might. He's like, you can't do it coming off a loss though. I'll tell you that. Nope, it's a business. It's, it's getting out there. And that 15 minute time span, you have that much time for so many people that are watching you to make an impression. It's like, it's like the fucking Hunger Games, man. You go out there, you make some noise. And, you know, when yeah. you grab the mic, you, hey, man, I want to fight this guy. I can beat him. Let me know. Dana, what's up? Be yourself, man. But you got to make some noise. It's changed. Back in the day, you didn't have to do that. The promotion did it because, you know, you wanted more. But I think it's cool because everyone has such different personalities. Every one of these fighters. Not everybody's a Conor fucking McGregor. You know, everyone's different. You have some quiet guy like that guy. You have some people that right. like Instagram and shit. Everyone has different personality. So why not portray that? Why not promote that? Because it doesn't sell. That's the sad part. Well, as we exit the show, I want to acknowledge yes. um, your friend that you lost recently, Shad Gaspard. I met him because we were doing this thing in L.A. And he was such a funny guy. Yeah. Just just funny and our, our personalities just mesh. You know, there's just some people you mesh with and there's some people you're like, all right, this is work. And we respected each other. We're doing cool moves and stuff. Um, obviously, he was mm. way stronger than me. But I just remember that interaction. And I met him again at uh, the ESPYs Award. And again, you know, just funny and positive. And I just remember those encounters. And, you know, we, we talk sometimes, whether it's our stories we share or he's laughing at me or some stuff. But just to see it, it was kind of like, wait, him? You know, it's kind of like the Kobe thing happened. It was like, wait, Kobe? He's a Kobe? Mm, I know. They seem untouchable. I, I mean, you know, you're in a different position because you're a celebrity as well. But, you know, from the rest of us looking in, <laughs> it just, you know, like yeah. you guys seem superhuman. Yeah. So when something well, the happens, same way, I guess someone like, looking at me as a celebrity is the same way I'm looking at Kobe is like that celebrity. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Kobe Bryant. Like, when Kobe, when I found out, I was like, it, it yeah. hurt me. I'm like, I didn't even, I met Kobe, like, for a second because he came to our facility to talk about um, the the new drink, uh, Body Armor. You know, that's his drink. And for, like, a second, tall dude, didn't really get to talk to mm. him, but, you know, everyone was rushing him and stuff. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to be that guy. But just very genuine. I heard him spoke and just how he attacks life full on. So when I saw that, I was like, no way, no way. So of course, when the shot thing happened, I was like, no way. Like I was working out. I couldn't even finish working out. It just destroyed me. So it, it reminds me, and I hope it reminds mm -hmm. a lot of people, even though the sad thing about it is death brings us all together, but we don't get a chance to celebrate life when we have it, you know? Like we, we're alive. How come we're mm -hmm. not celebrating the way we feel when someone dies when someone dies it should be a celebration ish because you know it's like hopefully you're in a better place but we're alive we got this opportunity to love each other and care for each other and we don't do it oh someone dies we get to be sad and all this shit and come together why does it take death to do all of that why can't we do it when we're alive before we go what give us your instagram handle no, so kidding. people don't have to find you <laughs> it's uh it's uriah hall keep it simple Stop. even though i noticed there's a bunch of uriah halls out there 
but it's Uriah Hall. Yours is just U-R-I-A-H-H-A-L-L, easy peasy. I'm also going to tag you in our promo post. And guys, you can find me at The Jenna Ben Show on Instagram and on YouTube and all the big uh, podcast platforms. And uh, thank you for the DMs and the love. I love hearing from you guys every week. And thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week.